Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So I don't know if you could tell from the distance or from the cameras on the screen, uh, but if you're like, oh, Pastor's face looks a little weird this morning, it's because I got bit by like a, a bumblebee or something, and my face was all swollen up. Actually, Friday, uh, I think, yeah, it was Friday. I don't know what happened. Woke up, face was all swollen up. I turned over to Devin, and Devin actually took a picture of what I look like um, that morning, and it looked like this. Yeah. <laughs> so the swelling has gone down a little bit, but it's still there. So if you think, wow, he got some really bad Botox. It's like, it's there. <laughs> All right. Are y'all ready for some word? Let's do it. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to read from the book of Genesis this morning. Genesis chapter 15. Today is going to be a part one of a two-part message, and I'm just calling it Dream Again. Is somebody just ready to, just to dream again? Okay, and nobody wants to dream. All right. Well, you're going to get ready. We're going to dream some. All right? So chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Some time later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, and he said, Don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and I will reward will be great. But Abraham replied this, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, he will inherit all of my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And the Lord said to this, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son who will be your own heir. And the Lord took Abraham outside, and he said to him, Look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Why? Because of his faith. Then the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abraham replied, there's another but, but Abraham replied, but Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? How, God, how can I be sure? And the Lord told him this, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon, because that clears it right up. <laughs> so Abraham presented all these things to him, and he killed him. He cut each animal down the middle, and he laid the half side by side. But he did not, however, cut the birds in half. And some vultures, they swooped down to eat the carcass, but Abraham chased them away. Now, as the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. And this terrifying darkness came over him. And the Lord said this to Abram, you can be sure. Remember his question, how can I be sure? And God says, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. And they're going to be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. And as for you... You will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. And after four generations, your descendants will return here to this land. For the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destructions. 
Now, after the sun went down and the darkness fell, and Abraham saw this, he saw a smoking fire pot and a smoking torch, and it passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day. He said this, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the borders of Egypt to the Euphrates River. I've given it to you. Anybody know this portion of scripture? One more I want to read from the book of Joel, chapter 2. And then, after doing all of these things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see vision. And in those days, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Now, right before this, it says, and then after these things, because a few things happened, uh, and it's not going to be on the screen, but this is what happens. God saying, listen, I'm going to give you back everything that you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. I didn't know there was that many types of locusts. So there's all of these things that have happened, and God's saying, listen, it feels like all of this is, all these locusts have, have swarmed and stripped and cut in all of this, and you know what, but I'm going to restore everything that was lost, and after all of this, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions on the heels of all of this stripping and hopping and cutting and swarming. And here's the thing about all of those locusts. They have one thing in common. They destroy. They destroy the people's crops. They destroy, and and so the people are in this state where uh, they're lost and they're hungry and they're depressed and life has been tough. Has anybody been through a stripping? Did anybody go through COVID? Did anybody have some times where it just thought, like, man, we were on the top of our game and everything was going, life was good, we had our five-year plan all in a row, and then some stripping things came, and then some hopping things came, and then some cutting things came, and all of it did, and just left you like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And it left you in this place where your dreams started fading away into the background. Well, God, you told me all of these things, but now we're in this place. Something must have changed. And so, God, I don't know if you can do it. And God shows up on the scene and says, listen, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. You're going to start dreaming again. And if you're Abraham, you're in that moment where all of these things have happened. You have a promise from God. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to look at the stars. I count them if you can. But Abraham has a problem. He has a barren wife. And all of this land, it's not happening for him. And yet God says, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop dreaming, Abraham. Don't start dreaming, Israel. Don't stop dreaming. I don't know about you guys, but when it comes to dreams, uh, my dreams, uh, like physical lie down in bed at night dreams, are the most random things possible. Um, I mean, at any moment, I could be in Korea, you know, eating a bowl of soup, and then seven seconds later, I'm shopping at Walmart, right? And then then all of a sudden, the dream hops over to, and then we're in church, and and then I'm picking up after my kids. And, And in the dream, all of these things happen as if it's happening in real time, but my brain, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I could be an astronaut, and I'm flying, and I'm landing on the moon, and then we're cooking dinner. 
It just makes sense. It's so random and it's so disconnected, but at the same time, inside of my dream, I don't question it. It's not a way, hold on, that doesn't make sense. It's just, it is. It's just the dream. And, and, and I realize God is like that sometimes. He gives us these dreams, and sometimes they feel so random, and they feel so disconnected from where we are to where he wants to bring us, and we think, God, how are you going to make that possible? God, how are you going to do all of these things? Because I'm, I'm over here in this place, and you, you're talking about this place. It just doesn't make any sense, God. It just seems so random. And if I'm Abraham, I'm thinking, God, you've told me all of these things, but I've got a barren wife, and we're, we're doing this. We're looking for this land, but it still isn't working out. And it just seems random. It seems disconnected. Sometimes that's how God speaks to us. And if you're hearing, you're thinking, oh, like, I don't believe you. Have you read the book of Revelation? Right? There's not a person on the planet who could read the book of Revelation and tell you everything that that book means. And if they're telling you they understand everything that book means, they're lying or they're deceived. Because there's some things in this book that God says it's going to be revealed later on. So everyone says, oh, I know when Jesus is coming back. No, you don't. You know the signs that point to the way to the day when Jesus comes back. But you, it, it, March 17th, 2001, and then it didn't happen, right? So like there, there, there's, a, there's a reality to this thing that we, we think we know exactly how God's going to work things out. Abraham said, oh, you know, all these things, God's going to do it, but time has gone by. And so he has two big questions for God. How, God, how are you going to do this? Because it's foggy at best. I'm not sure. If you had a dream that it's just foggy, you don't know how God's going to do it. Uh, I remember, you all heard a, f- a few weeks ago, Jill talked a little bit about um, her ministry with, uh, it's called Birthday Wishes. And, and that idea is that all the kids in Brunswick County, that they're not going to get anything for their birthday She's going to make that happen. Like, when we're going to get together and we got people and she's doing all these things. But you can just imagine, here's this dream of helping kids have a gift on their birthday. But then she looks and like, well, I also have this dream of, like, I just enjoy art. And, and, and there's these art galleries and I have this art. And, the, and how does all this fit together? And somehow, over time, she realizes, oh, you know, I could sell some of this art in the galleries. And we could have some of these auctions. And two things that are seemingly random and seemingly disconnected all of a sudden are coming together. Like, oh. It's that moment of, you know, where Mr. Miyagi is teaching Daniel. See, you thought that you wanted to learn karate, but he's, you just, God's been having you waxing cars for years. And all of a sudden, it starts coming together. It's foggy. And you could imagine the moment. You could imagine Abraham. He has this dream. He has this problem. You're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have all of this land, and you're going to have all of these kids. Now, like, step away from the spirituality of this for a second, and just imagine that you're Abraham, and you've got to go and talk to Sarah about this. All right, listen, girl. God's talked to me. Okay, what did he say? What did he say? He said, he said, he said two things. We got to leave here. He's going to give us a whole bunch of land. There's a promised land. And Sarah is like, so essentially we're going camping. <laughs> you know, you could just, you just play it out in your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to go camping, but don't worry. He's going he's gonna to show us. Where? To the land he will show us. So that's your plan, Abraham. 
yeah, that's what God said. We're going to go camping for a long time. And then not only that, he's going to give us nations, all of these kids. We're going to have so many kids. And if you're Sarah, you're like, with who? You know, like, what are you talking about? And, and so I, this is a hard sell for Abraham. And, but somehow he gets the girl to go along with it. Like, all right, we're going to do this thing. We're, we're, we're going to go out. And you know what happens? Nothing. Year after year, she's barren. Year after year, they keep camping. As a matter of fact, they keep camping so long that there's a famine in the land, and they actually end up all the way down in Egypt. God, what, what are you doing? You have this promise, but I'm so far away from it. My wife can't even have kids, and we're getting up there in age. God, I, I don't know, God, if you haven't seen Sarah, she's getting old, and me, I'm getting old too. And, and, and what about all of this land? We, we've camped out for all of these years, and now we're, when is it going to happen? How, God? Because right now, my servant is going to inherit everything. Right now, all I have are these servants in the house, and, and the way it's set up, they're going to get everything. How? And to which God says, this is what I want you to do. And he takes them and he looks up at the stars. See, I, I think that how question is a question that, um, quite honestly, if you want to destroy a dream in its infancy, start asking how. If you want to destroy a dream when before it even has a chance, get caught up in the how. You, you need to have time to just let, let, let it sink in of what, man, what you're dreaming about, what God's saying. Sometimes we get so caught up in the how that we forget about the who. I remember, um, this was a number of years ago, and I was sitting in a church service, and I felt like God said to plant this church, and we were going to start this church, and I went and I told my wife about it. And I spoke to my pastor about it. it was Pastor Tim Holt, and I talked to him about, I think God said to do this, and then this, this dream was coming up in my heart of what it could be. And then I spent the next five years waiting tables at a restaurant in Calabash. And, and, and every day, all I would do was say, baked potato or fries. Baked potato or fries. And, and I remember going home every night just kind of thinking, God, what are you doing? You've given me this promise, but all you've given me is this restaurant. And my name, Lucas, the name literally means bringer of light. And I just felt like, that, God, that's what you've called me to do. You've called me to, to be a bringer of light, but all I am is a bringer of starches. Like, every night, it's all I do, just here, have some more carbs, just eat them up. Like, night after night, day after day, year after year, God, how are you going to do this thing? It's so disconnected. Abraham, God, I'm getting old. Decades after decades, you've got to wonder, did I miss it? Did I miss it? And then God answers Abraham's question, but the way he answers Abraham's question is amazing. Because he just doesn't come out and say, Abraham, ABC, this is gonna ha how it's going to happen. Because remember, Abraham's question is how. 
Now, when it comes to uh, journalism, if you know anything about journalism, there's kind of basic 101 uh, investigative journalism. Uh, you learn this in school. Who, what, when, where, why, how? You ask these questions, so you're trying to figure out all the who's, the what, the when, where, why, how. You answer all these questions so you could provide a good story. And so Abraham is stuck on the how. But when he asks this to God, God isn't really concerned about the how. God is pointing him back to the who. And and, and let, let me show you how this happens. He speaks to Abraham, and he tells him this. Understand this, Abraham. 400 years, the people are going to be in slavery. And after they come out of slavery, they're going to come out with the wealth of that nation. And then four generations later, your descendants are going to come back to this place. Imagine that for a minute. God is speaking into Abraham's present about his future as if it's already the past. Did you catch that? He's speaking to Abraham's present, his question on how, about what's going to happen as if it's already happened. In other words, Abraham, I am the God who knows everything that's about to happen. Abraham, I know 400 years into the future this is what's going to happen. I know not what's just going to happen to you, but your grandkids and your great-grandkids and your great-great-grandkids. If you could trust anything, you need to trust the who. You need to trust the person that, who could see hundreds of years into the future because all you have, sometimes all, our, all we can see, we can't even protect the, predict the weather for tomorrow, right? And so if we get caught up on the how, God wants to point us back to the who. Look to the who, Abraham. Get out of your tent and start looking up again because if you only look out, that's all you're going to see. You can only see as far as your eye can see, but if you start looking up, you might start having a God-sized vision. Count them if you can. Have you ever tried? Why not? I like to try. Just come on, God. Come on, keep counting. Just keep counting. Because I just believe every time I get, everywhere that your foot lands, I'm going to give you that. So just keep walking. Keep traveling, Abraham. I know it feels like you've been camping for year after year, but do you realize everywhere that your footsteps is going to be yours? So keep walking. I know it seems like you've been walking and you've been walking and you've been struggling with this thing year after year. Come on, church. But let me point you back to the who this morning. Let me remind you of the God of all creation who speaks a word and the earth forms. Who speaks a word and mountains rise up. Sun be, ocean be, all of these things with just a word of his mouth. Who can look 400 years into the future and say this is what's going to happen. And he speaks to it in his presence as if it's already done. Do you realize that God is preparing you for what he has already prepared for you? It's a matter to just walk into it. It's done. That's what the whole book of Revelations is all about. It's done. It's completed. So we're we're walking in this thing. It's the already. It's the not yet. It's already finished. It's already done. And yet it's being done. We just walk in what God already has for us. And this we don't like because it gets frustrating. Because, because, because God, you know, I, I just need to know all the details. I need the A, the B, the C. I need the, the, the here and the now. I need you to work with my five-year plan. Uh, Abraham's like, I, all of these years, God, I just, we need to start pumping out these kids now. Because right now, what it looks like is my... One of my servants is going to get everything that I have. And God's like, that's not how 
it's going to work. Man, when you have a dream that God has breathed into, man, you could rest in that. You could just rest in, okay, God, sometimes the how just seems, but look at the who. And, and, then, and then look at what God does. Not only does he tell Abraham just who he is, he also says this, get that goat. Get, get, get the, the turtle doves, get the heifer, get all of these things, cut them in half. Now, this is important because this would, be, this would be a covenant that people would make with each other back in the day. This was a practice in which they would take these halves of these animals, and they put half of the animal over here, half of the animal over here, and they would say this, listen, we're going to walk through these halves of this animal. And this covenant that I'm making with you, Chris, may I become like one of these animals if I don't keep my word. And then, and, and then you would walk through it, and then Chris would walk through it as well. To say, we are making this bond. We are making this covenant. May we become like this. Now, this is important because when God does this and he tells them to cut them in half, God passes through it. And he's essentially saying, may even I become like this if I don't keep my word. But here's where it's even more interesting, is Abraham never walks through it. In other words, Abraham, you ain't, it, ain't, it ain't even dependent upon you. I keep my word on me. Even if you mess up, this is how it's going to be. See, some of us have messed up, and we've, we, we think that, well, God, you can't use us anymore. Man, his word is stronger than your mistake. His blood is stronger than your failure. Come on, somebody. So if we can replace, or, or maybe not replace, but start to focus more on the who rather than the how, I think we would have more confidence in his word. And also, instead of looking just at the what, we would start looking at the why. The why, God, why you're doing all of this. That leads us to this, the understanding that the work that God is doing in us is greater than the work that God is doing through us. See, it's more important what God is doing in you than what he's just doing through you. See, we like to get caught up in all of the stuff. All in the, God, we want to do A and B and C and all this stuff. God's like, all that's going to happen. But what's important is what I'm going to get in you. Is what, what I'm going to put in you. For this, I want to look to Matthew chapter 15 and 16. There's this moment where God has just, he's, he's, he's fed 5,000. He's fed 4,000. There's, there's bread and there's loaves and there's baskets left over. And he goes to the other side with his disciples, and says this in chapter 16, verse 5. Now later, after they had crossed over to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they'd forgotten to bring any bread. So all this bread, there's tons and tons of bread, there's baskets left over. Jesus, and like, nobody's brought any. And Jesus says this, watch out. Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And at this, they began to argue with each other because they, brought, they didn't bring any bread. Now, Jesus knew what they were saying. He says this, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you even understand yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with the five loaves and there were baskets left over that you picked up? Or the 4,000 that I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers that you picked up? Why just can't you understand? I'm not talking about bread. 
I'm not talking about bread, guys. All of that, like, do you not get it? I will take care of you. I don't have a bread problem. Abraham, I don't have a land problem. God ain't broke. He ain't got financial problems. We got financial problems sometimes it feels like. God ain't got none. Those are us problems. And God's like saying, you don't understand these lessons that I'm teaching. When are you going to realize I am your provider? Why do you keep thinking because you didn't bring enough bread? I'm not even concerned about the bread. I'm trying to get something in you, Peter, James, and John, and Lucas, and Chris, and Elisa. I'm trying to get it in you that I am your provider, and I can take the little thing that you do have and multiply it and feed thousands. Beware of the, the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they'll get you concerned with things that you don't need to be concerned about. Because the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they will always send the people home hungry. But when you get my bread, you could take what you have and feed more people than you could imagine. The thing that God has put inside of you right now, I'm telling you, can feed the world. But we get caught up with how, God? How, how, how are you going to do all this thing? Like, God's like, don't you get it yet? Don't you understand? See, the Pharisees, all, all of their prayers revolved around just making them look good. They, want, they wanted to stand out in the street corners and where everybody could see and look good. And it's like, that's not even the point. And it's this communion with God. And that's why he even says that they have their rewards. They've taken their bread and they don't know how to share it. See, sometimes I think we get caught up in this idea of what we have now is all we'll ever have. And it hits us the hardest when we go through seasons in our, in our lives that there's been a stripping away, when there's been a cutting, when the locust comes in and destroys our crops, and we go through two years of COVID, and we go through a season where things feel like they're falling apart, and it feels like nothing is getting better, and it feels like we've just been on an extremely long camping trip and we end up in Egypt because there's a famine. And you said I was going to have all of these nations, but I don't even have one. And the book of Proverbs says this, and when there's no vision, the people perish. And if we're not careful, when we go through these hard times, we can forget about the who. And we can focus on the how. And our dreams begin to die slowly, day after day, it gets a little bit more dusty on the shelves until one day we realize we've given up. We don't believe anymore. We've passed that moment and we're perishing. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Are we gonna let our circumstances just dictate what God has told us? Or are we gonna focus back on the who? You, you do realize only we call them miracles. You know, we call them miracles. God calls it Monday. You know? Like, we thought, oh, it's so amazing. God did that. Yeah. That's who he is. This is what he does. Abraham is called the father of the faith. And see, here's where we miss it. We think Abraham's the father of the faith because Isaac eventually came along. No, no, he's the father of the faith. 
Every day he came home to a barren wife, and he still kept trying. Every day that he still kept camping. See, it looked like nothing was happening, but what was happening is faith was being birthed. Every day that he still believed. Every day that we tried and it didn't work, but I still believed. Every day we're still camping year after year, but I still believe. We still ain't had no kids, but I still believe. This still hasn't happened in our bank account, but I still believe. This still hasn't happened in our marriage, but I still believe. See, faith is being birthed every day. And that's why I say he's the father of faith, because this dude went through decades where everything looked impossible. But what Abraham believed, and it accounted for him for righteousness. And God said, you know what, I can work with that. I don't need the smartest people. I don't need, he, God, he's using me. I could work with that. The, the other day, um, Wendy came over to the house and, and Devin has said, uh, she's trying to get Jeff to build her an outdoor kitchen. And uh, Jeff was like, you know, we could, we could hire somebody. And then somehow Devin told Wendy, oh, well, you know, Lucas built his outdoor kitchen. And to which Wendy responds, oh, well, if Lucas can do it, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that a compliment or a, right? Like, because he's the pastor. Like, he, like, reads books all day. And so, so if Lucas can do it, Jeff, you surely can do it. Because, like, we expect Jeff, we expect Tim Carter. Because Tim Carter, like, you build houses, you could do this thing. But God's like, you know what? I'm going to use you to do something that you don't even think you can do. Because, like, we think some of these guys are heroes. Like, have you looked at them, Peter and James and John? God's like, I'm going to use Peter because nobody else wants him. And look what he does. And it's just to dream again. Every night, baked potato or fries, just a step of faith. All right, God, I don't see it now, but I'm believing you're doing something in me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I think it's time we start looking at the stars again. We know, the, we know Genesis really good. But there's this little, and, I, and some of you know, I've, I've spoke on this before, but I want to remind us. In Genesis chapter 11, I believe, you get to it. Yeah, in Genesis chapter 11, we get this history of um, descendants from Shem, from Shem to Abraham. But at the very end of it, in verse 31, uh, or actually in verse 27, um, it talks about Abraham's family and his dad. And Abraham's dad's name was uh, Terah. And Terah had three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So you got Abram and, and two other sons. But then it says this about, which assumingly the youngest, we don't know if he's the youngest, but the, the one son, Haran, it says this, but Haran, he died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father was still living. So you have this father who's lost a son, and the son's name is Haran. And if you're not careful, you can miss this, but it, it, it goes down, and, and it says, one day Haran took his son Abraham and his daughter-in-law Sarah and his, his grandson-in-law, and he moved away from Ur. And he was headed for the land of Canaan, which is once going to be the promised land. Going to, it, it, it says this, as he was headed for the land of Canaan, they stopped in this place called Haran, and he settled there, and he died while he was still 
in Haran. He went to the place that reminded him of his dead son. And all of the pain and all of the hurt dwelt in his soul and he couldn't move on from there. And he died in that place, never getting to the place that he was supposed to be. See, some of us have these dreams from God and we've experienced hurt and pain and disappointment, but we've gotten to a place and we've just dwelt in our pain. And God's saying, you've got to move on from here. You've got to move on from here. Don't die in that place of your pain. I know it was hurt. I know it was, uh, but, but, but I'm telling you, you gotta move on. You gotta forgive. You gotta release. There's gotta be things where I don't understand why this happened, but it happened. And God, I just put it back in your hands. Don't pitch your tent in the place of your pain. You'll die there. And God wants to redeem all of that. And so he speaks to Abraham, and Abraham completes the journey. He went as far as Haran, and he settled there. Imagine if Abraham would have done that. He camped as long as he could. He camped until there was a famine, but then he died there. It doesn't say that. He, he tried with his wife year after year, and it didn't work, so he just stopped, and so he just died there. No. He believed. And he stepped out of the tent, and he looked to the stars once again. And God reminds him of who he is. I'm going to ask everyone to stand to their feet. It may seem like life is just a bunch of random events, but I'm here to tell you this morning that God uses every baked potato and every French fry. He uses every lawnmower. He uses every oil change. He uses every customer that comes into your shop. He, he uses every conversation and every line. He uses all things, every vacuum, every car wash, every dirty diaper, that you've changed all to develop these skills that you don't even know that you need you just thought you were waxing the car this morning on my way here on Sunday mornings I like to just turn the radio off and just, just pray on the car ride here as the sun's rising and I'm getting down the road and uh, I'm just a few miles from here and there's a, a turn off lane and as I'm going by, I, I notice this little turtle, and the turtle's about to make it, but he's still, he's in the turnoff lane, and he's making it, you know, I just keep driving, and then I just kind of felt like, man, you just need to turn around and make sure you save that turtle. You know, like, save that turtle. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to save the turtle. You know, can I be, I, I love animals, y'all. Don't go tweeting that pastor doesn't love animals. But I didn't want to save the turtle this morning. And, and I drive, I'm driving, it's another mile. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you gonna save that turtle or not? God, I'm already, he's like a mile and a half back now. I got a U-turn, I got a... And then it's, okay, it's up to you. Dang it! Turn around, grab the turtle out of the road. He doesn't try to bite me. Thank you, Jesus. Put him, put him to the side of the road, get back into the car, drive here. Nothing special happens. Nothing, no big. But it was an act of obedience on my part. It was God, I don't understand. 
I don't understand, like, I don't know if this turtle meant anything or whatever. Like, he's going to have lots of little turtle babies later. But I was obedient in something that I didn't even understand why he told me to do it. And if you're obedient with the small things, if you're faithful with the small things, if I'm faithful with the life of a turtle, maybe I'll be faithful with some other lives. I don't want to just keep driving by because I'm too busy or I think the turtle doesn't matter. Every grass you cut, every night that you come home to a barren wife. Think about Matt at Morgan that spent years and years and years trying to get pregnant. But faith was birthed in every day. Girl, we gonna still keep trying. Until one day, God shows up. Decades of camping, of famines, of barren wives. But Abraham believed. You want to know what your part is? Just believe. Just believe in the one who sees far beyond you, but sees to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and tell you, listen, all of these things, yeah, you might go through some things. There might be some stripping locusts in your future, but you know what? You're going to come out with the wealth of a nation and I'm going to take care of it. And in the end, all things work together for the good. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And you know what? All of this pain and all of this hurt will, will go away. And there will be a day where you don't need no more hospitals. You ain't going to get another speeding ticket. I don't care how much gas costs per gallon. Come on somebody all of these things just temporary in the light of eternity and this is the God who we serve who looks a thousand years into the future says I got you covered let's pray Jesus we just honor you and we just worship you this morning the one who was and is and is to come that before we were even formed in our mother's womb, you knew us. Your plans for us, your desire to pour out your spirit on all sons and daughters. And so Holy Spirit, we believe. keep camping. We'll keep camping, God. We'll keep trying. Because we believe your word and your promise and your faithful. Because you passed through and I didn't. doubting Thomas. God, I am Peter that thinks that he can bring the kingdom with a sword. I am Pilate who wants to throw his hands up and say, what is truth? I am Judas who sold you out time and time again. But while we were yet sinners, you saw what we could invite every one of us in to your loving kingdom and your graceful arms. If that's you and you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, 
Today, the father's just saying, my son, my daughter, come home. I love you. There's nothing you've done that can mess up that love. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh, I love you. Somebody just seems to hear that this morning. Oh, he loves us. He loves you. He loves you. Not the you that you think you have to be. He loves you. He loves the you that you're hiding. He sees all of you and loves you and has hope for you when you don't even have hope for yourself. He wants you to look at the star. You know, with the journalism, those basic questions that we ask, the who, what, when, where, why, how, you know, science attempts to answer all of these questions and gives its uh, different uh, theories. But here's the one thing that science can't do. Science can't answer who or why. Science will never be able to tell you who you are or why you are. Only Jesus can answer that. Only Jesus can do that. Sometimes I think we search for all of these things, man, but to be found in him, the maker of everything, to breathe life in us. That moment I think of Genesis 1 where, I mean, until God breathed, there was no life. But that moment that he just, man, this, is, this is who you are, this is why you are, you're created image for my glory to be found in him um, church I want to invite everyone next week we're going to do part two of this uh, of dreaming again um, but then also I, I really hope that we're going to have a great special announcement uh, that we're going to make that uh, you're not going to want to miss you're going to want to be here it's father's day too and so so dads if you were thinking about doing something uh you need to come to church that day come on dads uh women remind them you know you say you'll come to church that sunday we're going to have a whole lot of fun church we love you if you need prayer or anything uh, we have some folks over here that would love, love, love to pray with you. Don't forget, too, you can give. Uh, you can continue to worship the tithes and offerings right there in the back or online. As always, grace and peace. God bless you.